Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. And you can read along with me in your Bible or iPad, or you can simply follow along on the screen. And it says this, now the serpent, everybody say the serpent. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit, which is in the midst of the garden, uh, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's lust of the flesh, okay, that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eye, and a a tree desirable to make one wise, that's the pride of life. Does everybody see that? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life. That's in the New Testament. So she took of its fruit and she ate and she also gave to her husband with her and she ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together. Somebody say fig leaves. And they made themselves coverings and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to? Then the man said, that woman. See, y'all aren't always right. Y'all do make bad decisions sometimes. All right, it was once in 6,000 years, but still, we still have that to hang our hats on. That woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate, and the Lord God said to the woman, why have you done this thing? The woman said, that serpent deceived me, and I ate. I want to minister this morning from a subject called Back to the Garden. The subtitle is called Separation. Everybody say, Back to the Garden. garden. You know, when I think, and I I want... um, you guys to give me some feedback. I've been, I've been thinking about this. What life would have looked like for us if Adam and Eve hadn't eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? When you hear about the Garden of Eden, you normally hear about the fall. Everybody thinks about the fall, right? Everything that we lost and we've wandered and meandered for thousands of years and generations to generations and we blame everything on Eve and Adam for their fault for taking that fruit and then when we look at our husband or our wife and we see their defects and we blame Adam and we blame Eve. Amen? Just like they played the blame game in the beginning. But I want you to think with me just for a moment what the Garden of Eden would have looked like and what life would look like as we know it had they not sinned and got separated from God. What do you all think that life would have looked like? I want you guys to kind of chime out. One word, one word. Give me one word. Perfection. 
glories, beautiful, paradise, perfection, without lack. Everything was perfect. God created the garden to be a place where every need of the human heart and the human spirit would be met. Nothing would be lacking. They didn't sit at the table with their bills stacked high wondering how their needs were going to be met. They weren't thinking to themselves, where is my next meal going to come from? They didn't have to choose between paying their tithes and paying a bill. Y'all ain't saying nothing to this preacher this morning. Everything was met in the Garden of Eden. The human heart was completely satisfied. There were no need for preachers nor churches because they had direct fellowship with God. They didn't need somebody, some mediator, to come along and say, this is how you have a relationship with God. They didn't need a preacher to say, you know you shouldn't be living together because you're not married. They didn't have to be told that they shouldn't be addicted to drugs and alcohol. They didn't, they didn't need that because perfection was there. Direct fellowship and communion with God in the garden. But we hit fast forward. We know what happened with Adam and Eve. And the image that man reflected, which was the image of God, would be fractured for the next 6,000 years. And we would deal with those consequences, even in some ways dealing with those consequences today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this, let us make man, us, let us. That was before Jesus actually walked the earth. So he's talking to someone in himself, Jesus, God calling himself us. I don't think he was bipolar. Let us make man in our own image. God didn't have an image, but Jesus had an image. Let us make man in our own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. However, perfection was interrupted by a few things that I want to address this morning. I want you to pay close attention. And if you were wise, you'd grab a pen and paper. I want you to jot these down this morning. Come on. I want you to be students of the word of God this morning. Amen. And let's make these notes. And one of the first of four things I want to address this morning is the snake. The snake. Out of all the many sermons you guys have heard me preach over this past year and a half and the past decade plus that I've been ministering the word of God, you, 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 you don't hear me a whole lot. You don't hear me address the serpent a whole lot or the devil. I will allude to some things. I'll bind some things, but I've never eluded. Now, I want to kind of dress this picture up for you a little bit, and I want you to follow me. So everybody say the snake. Let's address the snake this name, the serpent that was given in Genesis chapter three, that's the first place it was found, is a far light year away from the way he was described before he fell from heaven. I want to read this. Again, this is the last lengthy scripture I want to read to you, but I want you to jot it down for your notes and for your own personal reading. It's in Ezekiel 28 verse 12. That clock. Somebody put that thing down. <laughs> Ezekiel 28, verse 12 through 19, it says this. It gives the description of Lucifer before his fall. It says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord your God, You were the seal 
of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, ox, uh, I'm sorry, onyx, and jasper, and sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold, your workmanship, and your timbrels and pipes, hence the word piper. He's dressed in all these different instruments. It was prepared for you on the day you were created. He was the worship angel of heaven. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you profane thing out of the mountain of God. In other words, God cast Satan out of heaven and I destroyed you, O covering cherubim from the midst of the fiery stone. Your heart was filled up because of your beauty. You were corrupted that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities and by iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought you from the mist and it devoured you. And I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. He was the Matt Gilman of heaven. He was the worship leader of heaven. I'm coming for you. He was the Michael Jackson of heaven. He was the John Legend of heaven. He was the Ariana Grande from heaven. He was the Taylor Swift of heaven. He led multitude of angels. He was dressed in all these different instruments in heaven. No wonder why music is so impactful, not only to the old generation, but the younger as well. No wonder why music has the innate ability to change an atmosphere and change an attitude. This is why you have to be careful what you listen to. This is why you have to be careful because it feeds your spirit because we too were created to be worshipers. And so what you feed yourself with and you give your emotions and thought to is you begin to behave like that very thing. Why? Because we are created to be worshipers and we have to be careful what you put in here because what you put in here comes out here. Amen? How does this all apply to our personal lives? You're probably thinking, what does this matter, right? If you look long enough at your personal lives, the snake has a whole lot more rule and reign than you just might think. When you question in your heart that voice that says, God is holding something back from you, that is the same conversation that Adam and Eve had. Is God holding something back from me? That's the snake. When you hear that voice scream, God is not good. He will not provide. Why do you think they would have taken from the apple? They thought God was holding something back from them. There was something more than what was be, something more beyond the life of God. So they stepped outside of bounds and we see the result of it. When you see temptation in individuals' lives, people battling addictions, you're seeing the snake at work. 
When you're seeing bickering, unending bickering and division in a household between a man and a woman, you're seeing the snake at work. When you're seeing gnawing temptations that draw you away from something that you hate, you're seeing the snake at work. When you see a person in constant pursuit of Jesus and all hell breaks loose as a result of it, you're seeing the snake at work. Have you ever attempted to try to follow Jesus and things get worse? And you thought to yourself, things should get better instead of worse? Sometimes, often, things get worse before they get better because the snake squirms the most when you're the closest. And he squirms when you step on his head. Amen? And when you're pursuing Jesus, that's, in effect, what you're doing. The enemy's job, the snake's job, is to break fellowship with God, and that was his intention in the very beginning. To break fellowship, the fellowship that was originally intended that you and God were supposed to have from the very beginning. And so he sent an onslaught attack because he wants to break the communion that we were supposed to have and are still currently supposed to have with God. So when you see all hell breaking loose in your life and all this trouble everywhere in your finances, in your marriage, in your health, this shouldn't be a shock to you and you ask God why. You should gird up your loins and get ready for warfare because it, as, as a matter of fact, it's an indication that you're on the right road. When the enemy is messing with you and all attack is everywhere on every side and everything seems to be going wrong, it's an indicator that you're on track. When you need to worry is when everything is going right and well. Because if he, the enemy cannot corrupt you, he'll crown you. Excuse me, I know all too well what that's like. There's no reason, there's a reason he's called... Um, Excuse me, I have, it, I have it in my note here. It says it like this. The reason he's called the snake is because it gives a, it's, it's, it's giving the depiction that he's subtle in nature. Very subtle. Somebody say subtle. 2 Corinthians, you can put it up on the screen, Joel, if you would. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says this. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself as an angel of light. In Matthew 13, he is called the evil one. In Matthew 13, 39, he's called the enemy. In John 8, he's called the liar, the father of lies, the murderer. In John 14, he's called the ruler of the world. In 1 Peter 5, 8, he's called the adversary, the roaring lion, the old serpent, meaning from the Garden of Eden. Revelation 12, the deceiver. Revelation 12, 10, accuser of God's people. Isn't it crazy how the enemy will tempt you to do something and after he gets you to do it, he beats you up for the next several days about what he got you to do? He's the accuser of the brethren. The snake. Somebody say the snake. And anytime that you see man, what was, what was Eve doing talking to a snake anyway without Adam's knowing? Where are the men in this generation? Most churches are made up of women. I'm calling and I'm making a charge to men right now to stand up in your home and to drive whatever snake might be in your home out of your home. Adam, excuse me, Eve would have never been caught talking to a snake if Adam was present spiritually. It's time for us to stand up, men. It's time for us to be the priest of our house. Once again, 
Wife, if you're sitting next to your husband, it'd be a good time to just nudge him just a little bit and say, stand up. She's kicking me. She doesn't even want to nudge me. <laughs> Number two, I'm going to get through this quickly, okay? We're going to be about 10 minutes over. I hope that's okay. Number two, the sin. In Genesis 3, 6, we just read it, but I'm going to reiterate it. It says, so when the woman saw, woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. This verse actually really got me, and if we journey back just a few verses, we see God calling this tree anything but good. You see how she says she saw, the, she saw the tree was good for food. It was desirable to make one wise, etc., etc. And that's why she took of its fruit because it looked appealing. Watch what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17. I want you to write that down for your reference so you can read it on your own time. It may be up on the screen. Genesis 2, 16 through 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat from the day that you eat of it. You will surely die. It doesn't sound like that was a good tree, yet she's calling it a good tree. And we see in this generation the same sin, young and old people alike. We are calling good evil and evil good. We're doing our thing our way, but it's not biblical. Amen? I wanna share something very personal what I'm, I'm going to give you an idea of what this really means and what this looks like. Okay, are you ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. Maybe I'm the one, only one who's done this in my Christian walk. I tried to get God to bless something doing things my way. Am I the only one? I want to see a show of hands. Is anybody, anybody but me? Okay, I'm in good company. I've been in business for about 18 years doing what I've been doing. I'm, I'm working in the painting industry and to my shame, I have to be honest, for the first several years, it hasn't been for several years, but for the, for the first several years, I justified not paying certain taxes just because I could. I could get things in cash. I can hide money. I can move things around. And my justification in my mind was, look at our government. I'm not giving my, sounds great, right? The only problem was is I could not progress. For some reason, my company kept hitting a ceiling, and I was trying to hit a certain mark, and it just wouldn't happen. A lot of times, we're living paycheck to paycheck. Once payroll was met, we barely had enough for the next week. It was just over and over, this vicious, vicious cycle. And it sounded like a good thing, a good holy thing. I'm doing this unto the Lord. And in Donnie's mind, he was doing everything as unto the Lord. Work kept coming in, but again, I couldn't break the ceiling that was above my head. And one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he said, stop asking me to bless something when you're doing the wrong thing. For the next year, my company absolutely transformed. I paid more money than I ever made in taxes, and my income the company's income accelerated by several hundreds of thousands of dollars. All because of obedience. But this is what our generation does, is we create lives and then make our own decisions without the consent of God, and then we ask God to bless it. I have to, I have to tell you this. We are to fit in God's plans. He's not some kind of uh, genie that we rub, and, and we ask him to just come out and bless our life and bless things our way and do things our way. 
Somebody say, do it God's way. Do it God's way. And some of you want God to bless you in your finances, but you struggle tithing. God is a God of order. Somebody say, God is a God of order. You want God to bless you in your relationship, but are you sleeping together outside of marriage? Come on, I used myself an example first. Just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of counseling people and loving on people and encouraging people and telling them about the blessings of God, and then they're not seeing the blessings of God. I think we have to get back to some biblical roots so I can truly show you how we can experience the blessings of God. And how we experience the blessings of God is getting our house in order. Amen? How many want the blessings of God in their lives? We cannot get to the ultimate destination, which is paradise, right? We want the blessings of God. We want the promise of God. But we can't get there by going in the wrong direction. Amen? Instruction manual. Somebody hold up your Bible. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. I heard someone say this one time. If your Bible is falling apart... Your life probably isn't. Number three, the sown leaves. Remember how the Bible says they sowed fig leaves together. After they fell, they realized they were naked and they began to cover themselves up. And I'm going to close just in a minute. Now, what do I mean about uh, sown leaves? I'm going to read it in Genesis chapter three, verse seven through eight. The eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam, his wife, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What do I mean about sown fig leaves? When we feel disconnected from God internally, look at me, everyone. When you feel disconnected from God in here, and you all know whether you're connected or not. Come on, you know, right? When we feel that emptiness inside and there's a disconnect, we cover up with external things to compensate. That man who should find his identity in God and drowns himself with work, it's fig leaves. He's covering himself with fig leaves. That woman who should feel beautiful, valued, and accepted by God gives her body to someone that doesn't belong to her through marriage just to hear him say she's beautiful? Fig leaves. Fig leaves. When a teenager who's awesome, God thinks they're great, but they strive to fit in at school and their value is dependent upon how many Facebook likes that they have, fig leaves. A person who doesn't feel good about themselves on the inside, so they have to have a nice car, nice clothes, and great makeup just to feel better, fig leaves. I like that word makeup. Talks of dressing up. My wife was putting on makeup this morning and I touched her face. She got mad at me, almost, almost hit me. She said, you hit my mascara. I think about how many women dress up and I think it's great and I see so many beautiful faces, but men also wear makeup, not in the sense of, 
you know, whatever you want to call, what do they call it? foundation or whatever it is. But, the, but in life, we use things as makeup. What does makeup mean? When you make up for something you don't have. So that's what we do in life is we make up for things we don't have externally and we, we put it on what we don't have internally, excuse me, and we put it on externally. That person who is made to be addicted to the presence of God finds themselves in op- opioid, opioid, opioid addictions, opioid. Somebody knows it in here. Come on. I said it right. Opioid. They find themselves addicted and in substance abuse because they're trying to still achieve that euphoric state that Adam lost in the garden when he walked with God, when he felt the presence of God. Because when, the reason we try to provoke God's presence every single Sunday morning and even throughout the week creating an atmosphere here is because we know that in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. Everything should be satisfied. Every need is met. There's no need for addiction. There's no need for a man. There's not a need for a woman. There's not a need for drugs. All needs are met if we pull on heaven and get filled with God. Everything loses its power and dominion in our life. Amen. And as I close, as a result of all this, it brings me to point number four. And next week, we're going to have a whole lot of fun. I knew I kind of laid a little bit of a hammer. Next week, it'll be a lot more loving. Brings me to point number four. Because if we're going to get to the garden, I want to show you guys how we got here and where many of us still are at. Point number four, the separation. It says this in Genesis, and it will not be up on the screen again. You can write it down for your reference. Now, although God had commanded them to leave the garden, I didn't read this in the initial verse that I had read. It says this in Genesis 3, 23. It says, therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden, meaning Adam, to till the ground. In other words, he forced him out. He's gone. Flee my presence. Get out. You're no longer welcomed here. He sent him out of the garden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed the cherubim at the east of the garden, a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the tree of life. And man and woman have been for thousands of years, it's been six or 7,000 years since this event took place. And we have been striving to close the gap of that separation. Oh, you don't know? Through those relationships, through technology, through money, through accruedments, through successes, through accolades, we are all in a desperate attempt to try to fill the void and close the gap. Separation. I was listening to a song this morning as I close by Jason Upton. It blessed me so much. Brought tears to my eyes. I was, was at 6 a.m. I'm sitting in my study and I'm listening to it. I said, I have to read this, the quote of this song to the people. And, and, and it's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, today I'm talking about going back to the garden, but I'm talking about the separation part. Next week, we're going to talk about what Jesus did to bridge the gap and what we all have access to. If we're gonna have revival, we have to get back to the garden. We have to get back 
to what God originally t- intended for us. But I, but I can't bring us into revival and God can't bring us into revival until we talk about the dip, right? Jason Upton said this, like an unborn baby in the mother's womb, before my lungs could breathe, I was alive in you. Before my eyes were open, before my tongue could speak, before the bond was broken between you and me, you were home to me. You are where we all have come from. You're where we all long to go. We have journeyed so far from Eden, but we're coming home. So let our eyes be filled with wonder. Let your eyes be filled with song. Let the way of Jesus lead us back to where we belong. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.